You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Well, good morning, church family. And on behalf of uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, happy Mother's Day to those of you to whom it is applicable. <laughs> Whether you're online or right in this room in Toronto, uh, we honor you today. Now, have you been practicing your ABCs? <laughs> we began this series a couple of weeks ago, a series about choosing your moods, about understanding what we do with feelings, because we all have them constantly coming at us. What do we do with our feelings? Uh, do we bury them? You know, all those feelings are not important. No, you know, man up. No, no. We, we, everyone has feelings. Um, we don't bury them, but neither do we marry them. We're not ruled by them. We're, I'm one with you. No, you are more than your feelings, but we all have feelings. So what does A stand for? A stands for we acknowledge our feelings. We acknowledge them. And then when we acknowledge them, we have to treat them like a visitor. Should you stay or should you go? All right? So B stands for break. We, we break them down. Are these the kind? Wasn't that a great teaching last weekend that Pastor Jonathan gave us to help us understand the difference between lasting joy and temporary happiness and unhappiness? How many know happiness depends on happenings? Joy depends upon Jesus. Having him there, he's, he's there full time, 24-7, right into eternity. We always have him with us. So whatever we go through, we know that we can have joy because we have Jesus forever. But feelings will come and go. Now, we have some feelings like love or peace or joy. We want them to stay. We have other feelings we want to get rid of. And today we're going to see how we can practice C. All right? So acknowledge, break it down, and then choose. Choose God's response. Now, I've been part of an investigation for a number of years now. I've been doing some detective work, and uh, I've been trying to figure out where these feelings come from that sort of end up destroying us in our hearts and destroying relationships with others. For instance, uh, where does racism really come from? What gives, gets into the head of one human being to look down on another human being. Gender discrimination. You're different, therefore you're inferior. You know? So what, what's up with it? Where does that start? Because I figure if we can trace it down to the source, then we could cut it off there. Nip it in the bud, and then it wouldn't infect and destroy us in relationships with others. If we could just get those feelings at their source. And... Uh, so my investigation has uh, led me to places because I, I, I have found, you know, I, a lot of you know I live in a condo 36 floors up and so I meet a lot of people on the elevator and I usually go in, you'll see the prayer I have and I go out into the day and I, I, I have good conversations with people, good, good interaction, but when I see someone who mistreats someone else, 
or has something in their hearts against someone else, and it just sort of comes out, just pushy or mistreated or just injustice, I, I struggle. I struggle with contempt for that person. I think, well, what gives you the right? You know, just who made you? Anyway, just you just sort of have feelings. And so I, I, I've been studying in the Bible, trying to trace this down to its source, and I got a lot of help by following Jesus when he had uh, dinner at a, the home of a man who had this condition of contempt, all right? So Luke chapter 7, Luke tells us the story. One of the Pharisees, let's stop there. Have you read the New Testament? If so, you know that Pharisees were all about saving face, right? So what do I look on on the outside? In public, I don't want to appear as anything other than a success and getting it right all the time, being very religious. I'm superior to you because I am more religious than you, and I've got the right religion. That, that sense, that, that, that was the Pharisees. Jesus would say to them, he'd say, you know, you guys, you remind me of a whitewashed sepulcher. <laughs> dead on the inside, but it's all window dressing, paint, you know, trying to look good on the outside. And so one of these guys, now Jesus loved them. He's reaching out to them, as you'll see. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Now, in Canada, when you invite someone over for a meal, you know, there's certain things. How many, when you knock or on the door, ring the doorbell, you expect someone to at least greet you, right? Right? And then what do you do next? Well, if it's winter time, you offer to take their coat. Yeah. How, why are we doing that this time of year? In, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> then the choice comes because some people say, oh, leave your shoes on. You know, we all do. Others, you know, just park your shoes right there. So my wife does. <laughs> We, we have just, just accepted that we, that we would do this. Now, in the Middle East of that time, it was just even more clear-cut what you did to be a good host. And how many, if you're a Pharisee, you want people to think you are a good host. It's all about what people think of you in your public presentation of yourself. And so, three things would happen. When you went to a home in this time where Jesus went, if you're going to be a good host, you automatically did three things. Number one, you, you greeted people. Back then, they greeted them with a kiss. Now, I know that I, I have been part of the pastoral leadership of this church for over 25 years. Increasingly, we have people from all different cultural backgrounds, and I have learned the key to greeting our church family is to be adaptable. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there are some that you, you greet, they just want a hug. Only a hug will do. Others, don't you dare hug me. You know what I mean? And then you meet people that, you know, uh, the, the handshake, right? Sometimes it's a handshake, flu season, maybe not. Do you know what I mean? Others, it's sort of a complicated handshake that ends up, you know, I just go along with it and I go, and then, but usually it ends in a redeeming hug. So that's all right, you know. Others, it's a kiss. You kiss on one cheek. Others, no, no, God gave me two. So you kiss on two cheeks, you know. Some, it's three. Others, don't you dare touch my cheeks. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just, come. In the, this time, it was very straightforward. You just greeted someone with a kiss. Then, you know, when you had walked to get to someone's house, you had walked through a dusty 
non-pavement, Middle Eastern roadways. It was like walking through a construction site before you got to someone's house. And so what was waiting for you at the door was water and a towel to, to, to wash your feet. That was just basic uh, hospitality 101. And then you had olive oil there. Why? Because to moisturize the, the skin in the Middle Eastern climate. And so what happened? Watch this. It's almost like Luke is telling us here. He says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. None of the hospitality of the Middle East was practiced. Just sat down to eat. Actually, they didn't sit down. Back then, sort of a U-shaped table, and they would sort of lie on one side and get their food, and their feet would be uh, stretched out from where they reclined at the table. And that explains how this happened when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Every time I read that, I thought, I'm thinking, at least put cologne, you know, like perfume. This is as awkward and as embarrassing and as tense as what it sounds. This woman is broken. She doesn't even know how to express love and gratitude, and she just... just doing it the only way. As you'll see later on, Jesus had already obviously encountered her, had already forgiven her of her sins, and she just doesn't know how to express the love that she feels in her heart. And, and, and every, it's sort of like the elephant in the room. You know, Everyone knows it's there, and, and they keep staring, what is this? And so Simon sort of has thoughts, and he says this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, all right, so this is happening with the thoughts of his heart. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. Now just listen to the contempt there, layers of it. Do you know what a Pharisee would pray when they got up in the morning? They would say, I thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. And then he says, this kind of woman, this kind of woman, she's a sinner. You know, and, and, and Simon's, he's got contempt in his heart, so he looks at the woman with contempt, and then he turns the contempt on Jesus. He says, if, if, he, if he was any kind of prophet, he'd know, he wouldn't let that woman do that. Simon, the, this is the first time you know that the man has a name. Up until now, Luke's just called him the Pharisee, the host. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Now look at this. Look at this. This man that has such contempt for the woman and for Jesus, just look at the way that Jesus treats him. Zero contempt. He, he, it's the first time in the story that someone sort of says his name. He calls him personally by name. And then Jesus, the Son of God, asks permission. Talk about respecting someone's free will and even their household. Jesus asks permission to say something to him. 
And then as you're going to see next, Jesus uses this awkward situation as an opportunity for Simon to receive forgiveness for his sins. You know, Jesus shows such respect for a person that doesn't have respect for others. Jesus shows such heart for someone who has such contempt for others. I, I'm challenged by this. This is the where I struggle. You know, I, I have no problem with just loving people, loving everyone, not knowing maybe what they've been through in their life. But when I see someone having contempt for others, I just automatically get, it stirs up in me. I want to have contempt for them. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to how many? Two people. And they're both in the room. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. They're both in the same condition, helpless to repay. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the bigger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. I mean, everyone knows she had a, a, a reputation as an immoral woman in the community, and, and it was a small town. Every, everybody knew about her pre-Jesus background. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears. Don't worry about it, Simon. It's all right. It's taken care of. <laughs> She's washed them with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet just breaks the tension in the room. Everyone's thinking about it anyway. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and everyone knows it, so he just says it, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Simon, I'd like to say that to you. Here's your moment. Here's your opportunity. Not just messing up with your hospitality standards you violate. Everyone knows. But it's what's in your heart. How many understand whether it's an outward sin of immorality that everyone knows about or a hidden sin of contempt? Jesus wants to cleanse them all away. And the only things that Jesus wants to cleanse from our lives are things that we're better off without anyway. Right on? Isn't that the truth? But our detective work doesn't stop with the contempt that Jesus tracked down to Simon the Pharisee. Because I've tracked down more pharisaical contempt. And do you know where I found it? In Keith Smith. This is part of growing up in the human race, isn't it? Where did I learn from, as a little kid, that the way to make yourself feel all right about what you did wrong was to find out someone that did something that you thought was a bigger wrong? See, you got a bigger debt than I do, rather than dealing with my own debt. As a child, you know, I had three sisters. 
I learned pretty quick. Mommy, do you know what Keith did? Yeah, but do you know what they did two weeks ago? <laughs> As a teenager, you just learn, don't you? In the cafeteria or recess time or wherever, you just learn that if you want to get some respect, just diss the teacher, right? Just say something negative, and oh, well, you, you sound like you're, 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 you're superior, and you get some short-term respect just by putting down someone else. Went to university, learned to think critically, and that is so critical, to think critically, because that's the only way you're going to solve humanity's problems. But I discovered how easy it is for critical thinking to cross the line into cynical thinking, where you think, because I know this and they don't, I'm superior to them. Do you see it? Contempt. Contempt is, is trying to feel better about myself by looking down on someone else. The dictionary helps us here with words like scorn, disdain, beneath consideration. So, if racism, discrimination, jealousy, anger, resentment... By the way, we, 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 we heard from a, a number of people... Uh, I don't even go back to that slide, Jeff, there. We heard from a number of people in our church time. I put the question out through Instagram uh, for people to respond. Here's the question I put out. What's a feeling you have about someone you really want to get rid of? And after it went out and I read it, I realized that could be taken two ways. <laughs> I meant, what's a feeling you want to get rid of. But I wrote it this way. What's a feeling you have about someone you really want to get rid of? <laughs> Thankfully, the people that responded uh, understood that, because we're in this Choosing Your Mood series, probably they, they put that in context. And what's a feeling? Interesting. You know what the number one was? Anger. Anger. Well, somebody put very, 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 very angry with an angry emoji attached. <laughs> you know? The runner-up? Resentment. And then mistrust and jealousy, uh, other emotions. People want to get rid So if they're all traceable back to contempt, just in my heart, I start thinking I'm superior. I, have, I can look down on other people. If that's where they start, then how do I get rid of those destructive feelings? How do I get rid of contempt in my heart? I have been working on this for years, and I can tell you these three truths I'm about to tell you really, really work. They have changed the way that I've that I, you know, been trained in other ways, but this is, Jesus has trained me to think so differently. And the first one is this. Feel constant appreciation for the grace you continuously receive for your failures. Your failures. This isn't the first time that Jesus brings this topic up about how, if you want to get rid of destructive feelings, deal with the way you look at people in your heart. One time Jesus uh, was wanting to teach people about this. And so he says, he says this, and Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. I, I'm more righteous than you. I'm better than you. I'm superior to you. And, and they scorned. They disdained. They had contempt to everyone else. So Jesus tells the story. Two men went to the temple to pray. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Two men went to the temple to pray. It's a, it's a story. One was a Pharisee. There they are. All about saving face. Looking good on the outside. No matter what's happening on the inside in your heart. The other, a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like 
other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. You know, I, I noticed the reason I put all those eyes in, if you took out every clause in his prayer that has an I in it, he'd say nothing. He'd be saying nothing, which is exactly Jesus' point. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be, and those who humble themselves will be, as long as you're looking down on others, you'll never see the need of God's grace for yourself. You know, you just default over. Yeah, but at least I'm not as bad. I don't really need forgiveness because I'm not as bad as other people. But if you see your own need for grace and you humbly ask and receive it, you start to change. You just change. You know, uh, just before um, Easter and Good Friday, our staff had a chapel time together. I lead a monthly chapel for all of our wonderful staff. And we, uh, I asked this question. I sent it out a week or so ahead of time. Uh, you know, I said, come prepared to give an answer to this question. What do you think your life would be like today if you had not started following Jesus? And it was beautiful. The honest answer is where we would be if we hadn't heard about Jesus and received him and what we're like today. And one of our administrative staff, one of our support staff said something and she had it written down. I asked her if she'd send me a copy. And she said, I divided my life into the was and the now. Two columns. And she said, I was incomplete, now I'm complete. I was unfulfilled, now I'm fulfilled. I was weak, now I am strong. I was aimless, now hopeful. I was lost, now I have purpose. I was selfish, now I am generous. I was ungrateful, now I am forever grateful. Just that, that, that posture of the heart that's constantly appreciating the grace we continuously receive for our own failures. Now listen, as I was praying about this weekend, I had a strong sense that I'd be speaking to people, whether it's you online or people in this room at Kennedy and Finch, I had a strong sense that I was speaking to people who are still struggling with what we said about in the first message about choosing your mood. You know, what Jesus said actually. Remember, Jesus said the most important thing you'll ever do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as... If you don't know how to, in a healthy way, love yourself, you will always struggle with loving other people. You'll always struggle with resentment, jealousy, and contempt for other people, because that'll be your default place to go to, to try and make yourself feel good about yourself. But when you've received the love of God, I think Dave talked about that earlier in the service, when you've received the love of God. Do you remember that from the first message together? We know and rely on the love God has for us. Do you know an echo can't happen unless some sound has been received that gets echoed, right? We have to receive the love of God before we can give it out to others. And so love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when you love yourself, because there are people in this room, and people that are with us online do you know someone that they really struggle with and they have contempt for? Maybe more than anybody else. You know who it is? 
themselves, themselves. Met a man in his uh, senior years last week, so humble, so easy to encourage. But he said, you know, I've been depressed for a while just thinking about my life and my regrets. And I said to him what I say to you, because he was beaten up himself. He had contempt for himself. And I, say to, I said to him, I said, listen, Jesus didn't come for us because we would get it right. He came to be our Savior because he knew we would get it wrong. If you didn't get it wrong, you wouldn't need Jesus. The message to Jesus' mother was right. You will call his name Yeshua, Savior, for he will save people from their sins. If you don't have sins, then you don't need Jesus. If you're just so good without him, then then. If you can't humble yourself, but, I, but people so many times will beat themselves up. Listen, sometimes it's because of the family we grew up in, even words from a mother or father, and we can get down on ourselves. I want to say to you today, along with the psalmist David, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I want to tell you today that whatever anyone else has said to you in your life, including someone that maybe you were married to that rejected you, and the words that were said to you, whatever's been said about you, however you have been treated by others, you have a God who is your Father, who loved you so much that He sacrificed His one and only Son so that you could be not only forgiven, but part of His family forever. That's how much He wants you in His family as a son and daughter. And he wants you there. Now watch this. Loving yourself does not mean I'm, you're there for me. You're there for me. I'm narcissistic. I could say some nasty things about the political world right now. Anyway, I, but just I, I want you there for me. I'm needy. I'm need. No, 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 no. No, I need your love. No, 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 no. Watch this. When you know you are loved by God, <laughs> you find your needs met in him. And then you have what it takes to meet the needs of others. Do you see that? See, when you love yourself, you value yourself. God put you on the planet for a reason. He has things to do through your life that he cannot do through anybody else. When you know that you're loved by God, that you're valued by him, then you have what it takes not to be needy. Love me, but you love yourself because God loves you, and then you give to the needs of others. Right on? That's just so important to this whole thing. And then you know what happens? Every time you fail, every time in your brokenness and you mess up, you join that woman because you have blind spots too. You have brokenness too. And you're at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I messed up again. Thank you for forgiving me. Remember, she was just there pouring out her love, just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Never stop getting at the feet of Jesus and saying, thank you for the grace that you have given me for my failures. Thank you, Lord. That's where it starts. Secondly, how do I get rid of destructive feelings about others? Find out other people's stories, and you'll learn why they are the way they are. Isn't that what Jesus did for Simon? He said, Simon, you know this as an immoral woman. That's before she met me. You don't know the whole story, and you have contempt for her. You don't know her future. You don't know what's happened. Uh, apparently, it's a true story. Never told it to you before, but maybe you've heard it. The true story of this, this uh, wife who told the story, but she and her husband were going out for the evening, but their house had recently been broken into. And so they're a bit paranoid about security, 
and uh, they didn't want anyone to know that their house was empty. And uh, as they, uh, the taxi arrived, and uh, they, they had put the cat out in the backyard because the cat would chase the budgie around their house and they didn't want that to happen. And so, so they'd put the cat out in the backyard and, and just as they were stepping out the door to go to get into the taxi, guess, as they opened their door, guess what scooted back in? The cat, yeah. The cat came back. Eh? So anyway, so the wife went ahead out to the taxi and she's still thinking, you know, I don't want our house to be broken into. I don't want anyone, including this taxi driver, to know that the house is empty. So she said, oh, my husband's just gone back in. My mom's there. And she, he's just trying to make sure my mom is settled before we go out for the evening. Well, the husband came out to the taxi a few minutes later, and he was flustered, and he said, oh, he, and I, I wrote down what this woman said that her husband said. She, he said, sorry for taking so long, but she was hiding under the bed, and I had to poke her with a coat hanger to get her out. Finally, I was able to grab her by the neck and throw her into the backyard. <laughs> How many think it would be helpful for the taxi driver to know that there was more to the story? <laughs> Pastor Jonathan uh, lined up uh, someone I've known for, from past years to come in and do a, a Berkman assessment with our staff. Such a helpful day. And uh, I, I knew the guy, but where I had first met him was when I was speaking uh, in Western Canada at a camp I'd been at a number of times. This year, he was the camp pastor. And so our paths crossed uh, daily. And his family was there, and one of my sons was with me, and... Uh, traveled out to Manitoba with me, and so we, we were there, and uh, I just kept noticing how this dad was just not do, doing the father thing well with his kids, and he just, it was awkward, it was embarrassing sometimes, just the things they'd do or say, and he'd say to them, and I, I just, you know what I was doing? I was starting to feel some, don't you say it, but that stuff in the heart, you know, just sort of, oh, I'm a lot better father than he is. I wish I got a thing or two to do. You know, one day we were having lunch together, and I said, you know, Ron, just tell me a little bit of your story. And uh, he said, well, I grew up in a family. He didn't know the Lord at all. Matter of fact, my father was a, an alcoholic. Uh, I never saw him but that he was drunk. He'd come home, he'd beat my mom, and he would beat uh, us as kids. And he said, my mom, she, she had quite a reputation in the small town in northern Ontario that I grew up in because everyone knew she slept around. And so when I'd go to school, the kids even knew that, and they would harass me and tease me and mock me about that. They'd even beat me up because the reputation that my mom had in the town. And, uh, and then I met Jesus, and he told me about that. And I'm sitting there, and tears are going down my cheeks. But it's not all because I'm empathizing with his story. A lot of them are tears of, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and I remember telling him then, and when he came to do the Berkman thing here at the church, I said to him again, I said, Ron, I'll never forget that day. You taught me more of a lesson than you know. And I, I, and, and I, I, I don't know how Keith Smith would have turned out if I had have grown up in a family like that if that was my story. And I want you to know, Ron, I admire you for what you overcame. 
How many have ever looked at someone and you, you did entertain some feelings of contempt? Why are they like that? Why are they doing that? And then you got to know them and you thought, that's why they are the way they are. And if I had have been through that, who knows how I would have turned out. You know what I'm saying? Listen, some of you, you need to sit down with your parents if they're still around. You know, ask them questions. What was it like growing up? What were some of the tough things in life that you have had to overcome? Ask them what it was like to raise you. (laughs) You know, this is Mother's Day. I have a project for some of you between now and next Mother's Day. If your mom's still around, sit down with them and ask them some of their story, what they've learned in life, what they have had to overcome. And do it for others. Do it for others. I, 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 I hope I've really learned this one. To just not allow any feelings of contempt towards others when I see their conduct or their behavior. But to just say, there for the grace of God go I. You know, I, I, get to hear someone's story and you'll find out more why they are the way they are. And then third, then third, focus on bringing the best out of every person that you meet. Do you know what the very best definition of the Christian life that I know of is? Treating other people the way Jesus treats me. That's all I have to do if I start to have feelings of contempt is just say, hold hold on, Jesus. When I'm like that, do you forgive me? Yeah. Forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you, right? You know, when you see someone that's socially unacceptable, remember... Accept one another even... Does Jesus accept you when you're unacceptable? Yeah. He, does he love you even when you're unlovable? Thank God that he does. Or where would any one of us be? So treating people the way that Jesus treats us. I, I think Dallas Willard, with the Lord now, one of my favorite uh, teachers, he said, when Jesus hung on the cross, a prof from the University of Southern California, he says, when Jesus hung on the cross and prayed, Father, forgive them because they do not understand what they are doing. That was not hard for him. What would have been hard for Jesus would have been to curse his enemies and spew forth vileness and evil upon everyone, God and the world, as those crucified with him did, at least for a while. He calls us to him to impart himself to us to be as he was, permeated with love. Then the doing of what he did and said becomes the natural expression of who we are in him. How many say, make me more like Jesus? And when I'm more like Jesus, here's the the C part of ABC. I choose God's response. I choose to treat people the way that Jesus treats me and wants people treated. Now, listen. I know this does not happen overnight. I have been working on this for years, especially not having contempt for people I see having contempt or mistreating other people. I just, I struggle with that to this day. But what I have found helped me, do you remember when we, when we first started this series, I told you a prayer. Remember Jesus said, the most important thing that you'll ever do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I took Jesus seriously. I've been praying this for years. Do you remember the heart is the center of our feelings? And so I gave you a prayer that I pray every day when I say, Lord, I love you with all my heart, so I don't let my feelings set me. I set my feelings by being grateful for so much good today. How many know you're going to have a better day when you start out grateful like that? Just automatically. But we'll, we'll talk about soul 
sometime and strength sometime. What does it mean to love God with all of our mind? When I say, I love the Lord with all my mind, well, love is to sacrifice to bring about God's best for someone else, right? Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He sacrificed himself. Why? To bring out the very best outcome for us, forgiveness of sins and eternal life with him. So when I love the Lord with all my mind, here's what I pray. So I love you, Lord, with all my mind. So I sacrifice to bring the best out of every person. And I also say in every circumstance I encounter today, every person I meet. Now, see, the reason why I'm giving you this is because, like I said, you can't get to where you uh, just all the contempt of your heart is just gone immediately. You've been conditioned that way to be a Pharisee for years. And so it just takes many times, just day after day, just saying, cleanse me, O Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness for me. Help me to, every person I see, to know there's more to the story. And Lord, help me, every person I meet today, to bring the best out of them. You know, I was talking to the young adults uh, a few Sunday nights ago with Pastor Gord, and he was interviewing me. I don't know where it came up, but I said, I said to the young adults, I, I said, you know, I was getting ready for church to go in and teach you on the weekends uh, a little bit ago. And I said to my wife, I said, Esther, you'd think that after 40 years of doing this, I'd have a more spiritually sophisticated prayer than this. Lord, help me help people today. It's never, Lord, help me correct the doctrine or... Or help, help me have a good sermon that they'll really like. I never pray. I just say, God, help me help people today. I want to, Pastor Jonathan has the same heart, to bring the very best out of every one of you. Oh, how many, how many want to have the attitude in your heart that Christ Jesus has to you? Can you say a good amen? <laughs> Let's pray about this together. So thank you, Jesus. for sacrificing your life to give me a second chance, every one of us a second chance. Thank, thank you for loving us so much that you would lay down your life for us. And Lord, we want to echo that. We want to become like Jesus in our world. We want to respond with gratitude for your, with you, for your grace. We join that woman at your feet, and every time we fail, just saying, forgive us, and thank you, Jesus, for cleansing us continuously from sin. Thank you for cleansing us from destructive feelings about others, contempt and resentment and anger. Just, just keep cleansing it away, flushing it out of our spiritual systems, Lord. We want to echo the love that we have been given. We need your love, Lord, otherwise we're just running on our own fumes. But we need you to fill us again and again with your love so that we have what it takes to echo that out to others. Lord, help us help people, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone who wants that to happen, say together with me, amen. Amen. Well, how about we sing about this? God, you, you're changing me. <laughs> Your love comes into me. And I want to echo that love out to others. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.